0: By the breath of your spirit, Lord, inspire us so that as we listen to your word, we may be filled with new understanding and fresh desire to praise you in everything we do. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Today we read the first eight verses of the sixth chapter of Isaiah. Now it starts off with the phrase, In the year that King Uzziah died, So let me answer four questions you may have about that historical reference. Well, first of all, what year was it? Well, they don't know exactly, but about 739 B.C. And then for that matter, who was Uzziah? Well, he was the seventh king of Judah, the southern kingdom. Well, the third question you may have is, so what? Was Uzziah important in some way? Well, the first chapter of Matthew, and all those begets, begets, begets that tells Jesus genealogy, tells us that he was an ancestor of Jesus. A great, 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 and I lose track of how many greats, grandfather. Let me put it this way, from Abraham to Jesus, 42 generations. And so on that list of ancestors, I think David is 14, and Uzziah is number 21. Well, the fourth question you might wonder about is, what was going on when Isaiah was called? Bad times are coming to the nation of Judah, and God is calling Isaiah to prophesy. Well, listen how he responds what he says. There are some who say that Isaiah was the only prophet we know about who volunteered Isaiah heard a question from God, and Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Now, for six years or so, I served on the Presbyterian Committee that shepherds women and men who are answering God's call to ordained ministry. In this, for this Presbyterian, this part of North Carolina, there are 50 people, approximately, under care of Presbyterian with that committee. So over these six years, I heard many, many, many of them tell how, how they had heard God's call to ministry. A whole bunch of them emphasized they did not have a Damascus Road experience like the Apostle Paul. And not a one of them said they had had that kind of experience. Most described something more akin to that call of Moses. You remember how that went? Moses kept calling God, Lord, you got the wrong guy. First of all, I'm not a public speaker. Wait, I'd have an answer for that. I won't know what to say, and God says, I'm gonna tell you what to say. And finally Moses gave in, and that's what people often describe, as they finally came to the idea, this is what I'm supposed to do in my life. They did that, but I guarantee you, I never heard anybody, ever, Describe a call like Isaiah had. So listen now for the word of God in the first eight verses of the sixth chapter of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called in the house, filled with smoke, and I said, Woe is me, I'm lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed, and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Well, did you see what happened there in those eight verses? In eight short verses, Isaiah moves from a vision of God's splendor to keen awareness of his own inadequacy, to readiness to be dispatched to deliver God's word. In these eight verses from Isaiah 6, God does three things. God gives, first, God gives Isaiah a vision Second, God gives Isaiah a coal. C-O-A-L, coal. And third, God gives Isaiah a call. First, the vision. And what a strange vision it is. God is on a high throne attended by seraphs. I'm more familiar with Seraphim, the record label, than Seraphim the angels, but seraphs were winged cobras. I've read, each had six wings. You remember, two they covered their face, two they covered their feet, two they flew. So why the cover up? They covered themselves to avoid being overwhelmed by God's glory. And what did the seraphs say? They called God holy, which is to say that God is exalted. God is worthy of complete devotion, perfect in goodness and righteousness. Well, you remember actually what the seraph says is holy, holy, holy. That thrice-holy phrase has a name, I learned, the trisagion. It's also in the, as those of us who heard Sharon's lesson the other week, it's in the fourth chapter of Revelation. And by the way, that's where those phrases we sang about in the hymn come from too, about casting down our golden crowns around the glassy sea. Well, the Old Testament scholars say that repeating a word three times, it was a way of intensifying an expression. We often hear that in conversation with doubled expressions. We say something's not, that's not red, that's red, red. The ladies at my house will say, that's not just pink, that's pink. (laughs) In Isaiah's time, they just say pink, 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 three times. Well, logic experts call this holy, 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 an ascriptive tautology. Well, you remember that a tautology is a statement's true but by necessity, by virtue of its logical form. By saying holy, 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 Isaiah is ascribing the trait of holiness to God. Isaiah is saying God is holy, basically in the same way that you remember the royal wedding preacher, Michael Curry, was quoting John's statement, God is love when he said if it's not about love, it's not about God. In other words, love and holiness are attributes of God. So first, God gives Isaiah a vision and then second, God gives Isaiah a C-O-A-L, coal, not a <coughs> coal, a coal. Isaiah says, Whoa is me, I'm lost, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, yet my eyes have seen the king. Then one of the seraphs flies to Isaiah, holding a live coal taken from the, with the tongs. Think of it, it's so hot, even the seraph takes the tongs to do it. Touches his mouth with it and says, oh, wait, 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 just a minute now. You know that cold's got to be hot. The idea of anything hot, that hot touch in your mouth is just terrible. Well, remember, it's a symbol. A symbol of God's purging Isaiah of his guilt, of his inadequacy. Do not attempt this at home. You know. <laughs> so notice three things about this. First, this is a vision. Of course you wouldn't do this at home. Uh, second, Isaiah was cleansed. Not by anything he did. It wasn't like Isaiah went out and said, oh, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. Now I'm pure. No, it was something that God did. Just as we cannot earn God's grace, we just can't be that good. It's a free gift from God. It's never that we deserve it. It's that we, we get God's grace because God loves us. And the third thing, yes, it's an uncomfortable metaphor. Oh, I wish they put that a different way, don't you? But you won't, don't you? Usually find the process of being cleansed, being purified, is an uncomfortable event, kind of like when they put an antiseptic or something on an open wound. Oh, that hurts! Well, it's supposed to, I guess. Cleansing is just not a comfortable thing. But Isaiah is told now that this has touched your lips, your guilt is departed, your sin is blotted out. And that's what leads to the third thing that happens in these eight verses. God gives Isaiah a call. When his sin has been blotted out, that's when God says, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, that is, Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. Let me ask you now, do you know those moments when you figure, I am home free? I think of one of Betty's cousins who was the newly engaged and was attending a big family dinner. And it was one of those moments if you can just bow your head and not make anybody noises or say something during the blessing, she's home free, right? Well, unbeknownst to her, her fiance had told his mama, oh, she's a wonderful girl, but if Valeria doesn't get to say the blessing, she won't be right, so please call on her to say the blessing. He did not tell Valeria this. So when she figured, I am home free, the hostess, her mother-in-law-to-be turns and says, Valeria, would you return grace? And everyone there except Valeria knew the backstory, And they all turned and looked at her, kind of like, you remember those E.F. Hutton commercials? When E.F. Hutton speaks, everyone listened? And he did not tell her the, the, what was going on for some time later after they were not, was good and tied and they were married. She married him. Well, there are times like that. You feel, I am home free, I'm okay, you know? And in this case, it'd be easy to consider, well, that's a story of a, called story of a great prophet, and say, ooh, well, you know, that's nice, it's dramatic, but it ain't got nothing to do with me. Not my life, I am home free. Well, (laughs) not this time, because you and I, all Christians, all of us have been called, we've all been commissioned by nobody except Jesus Christ himself saying, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And, of course, you remember that he told us the greatest commands were, one, to love God with all your heart and soul and mind, and two, to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if all that feels like a daunting task, a job bigger than your ability or mine, because it is. Recall the rest of what Jesus said, and remember, I am with you always, always, to the end of the age. Thanks be to God. Well, after we sing hymn number 525 in that blue book, Here I Am, Lord, we will hear from Dylan Gooch, who sees the day when Campbell University offered him the opportunity to answer a call by going on a mission trip to Africa. You remember that before Dylan left, our church commissioned him and we prayed for him and while he was gone, we prayed for him and mom and dad and sister too. (laughs) And today, he's gonna share a report on his trip. That's what our TV device is here for. So, let us sing number 525 in the blue book, Here I Am. So may God who knows us and loves us, who calls us and saves us, bless us with vision to see, faith to believe, and courage to act. Now and forevermore, glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.